a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I'm the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. I am thrilled to uh, be joining you uh, in your in your ear holes today. <laughs> uh, I am glad to uh, have another opportunity to speak to you and to share some of the things that I've been mulling over, the things that I've been really thinking about this past week. And so with that, I invite you to now come to Pastor Brad's Corner. Uh, I love uh, sharing some of these things with you, some of the uh, ideas and some of the um, uh, just the truths that I was really thinking about and um, wanting to impress upon you uh, through sermons and whatnot. And so if you haven't listened to my sermons, uh, that's fine. Uh, I w- kind of want to review some of the things I've been studying, some of the things I've been reading, and also just to share some other things that are uh, on my heart uh, this week. So uh, this is volume 12 of Pastor Brad's Corner, a little space where I devote to just that, just kind of chewing on some things that I feel like need more attention. Uh, so uh, with that, um, this past Sunday, I was back in the pulpit, of course, at Stonington Baptist Church, um, and it was kind of a exciting Sunday. Uh, it was an exciting Sunday for me just because I had been teasing <laughs> for a while uh, the, uh, the notion that I was going to eventually, one day, <laughs> preach through uh, a sermon series on the, the book of Ecclesiastes, and I had been kind of uh, teasing this uh, for several weeks and months, really, <laughs> uh, just referencing it here and there, and it's a sermon series that is dear to my heart. I've taught through it before in a smaller sort of setting, so I, it, it's exciting for me to come back to this book and restudy it again and expand on some of the thoughts and themes that I think are so prevalent throughout this book. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, I'll come out right right out and admit it, I think it's, um, you know, if I were to do a top five of my favorite books of the Bible, Ecclesiastes would be in my top three. Um, it is one of the most fascinating books, I think, in all of the scriptures. It has such an interesting perspective. And I think it's its perspective is something that I think is often the cause of a lot of the tension surrounding Ecclesiastes. This is one of the themes that I tried to develop in my sermon on Sunday. Just this idea that Ecclesiastes is often a book that's overlooked. It's overlooked because it seemingly talks about meaninglessness, uh, which as I tried to um, bring out of, of the text, that's actually not what that word means in the Hebrew. So when when Solomon says in your King James Bible, right, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He's not talking about meaninglessness. He's talking about transiency. He's talking about the idea that life is, uh, is frustrating because it is vaporous. It's that's really literally what that word vanity means there in the Hebrew. It means uh, a breath like or a vapor. I, I imagine the picture I tried to evoke is this, you know, when you're in cold weather and you breathe, there's this vapor of breath that appears in the air and then it dissipates almost instantaneously. And such is the picture we have to have in our mind's eye when Solomon is talking about uh, vanity, is, is that's what life looks like here on earth. And, and the point is, it's like that for everyone. 
Uh, it's like that whether you are a Christian who goes to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and reads their Bible and all those sorts of things, and whether you're a person who denies the very existence of God and tries to uh, pursue any other avenue of pleasure or meaning or truth or what have you, life is vaporous. And I think what it, what is going to be um, found, so uh, I understand that... <laughs> A lot of the um, a lot of what what occurred in sort of my introductory sermon is somewhat um, hard to wrap your head around just because it's really introductory. It's like you're trying to introduce all of these different themes at one time. Solomon does an interesting thing in the first chapter of of Ecclesiastes. He he kind of just tells you everything. I likened it to the idea of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle spoiling a Sherlock Holmes novel in the first page, on the first page, in the first paragraph, so to speak. That's sort of what Solomon does from a literary sense. He spoils this conclusion of that he will eventually come to is that all of life uh, he's pursued every avenue. He's pursued every single uh, pathway that he can find or come up with, and all of the wisdom that he has been gifted by God, by the way. He has pursued all of these different pathways, and he has found them all to be vaporous. He's found them all to be vanity, frustrating. Life is frustrating when it is lived in this way, when it is lived um, for the pursuit of 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 something under the sun. And even those who have an eternal purpose are still afflicted by this vaporousness of life. And I think that's what is going to be fleshed out a lot more uh, throughout the rest of these 12 chapters. So uh, we were talking in my sermon, which I entitled An Introduction to a Frustrating Life, because this is what Solomon does. He introduces this notion that life is frustrating, and he introduces it in a way in which I think appeals to a lot of what I kind of called it the the human condition, the human experience, so to speak. Um, And why is it frustrating? It's because of sin. Uh, Sin radically changed our world, and it also changed the, the paradigm in which we live. So before the fall, the paradigm of mankind was one of perfection, perfect fellowship, perfect worship, perfect joy, perfect pleasure, perfect happiness, perfect everything. Man and God and man and woman were in perfect sync and harmony. And then sin intruded through man's own doing, by the way, Man's own disobedience and own plunge into sin brought sin into the world. And now the paradigm in which man lives is this frustrating life of sorrow, as Solomon calls it in verse 13 of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, this sore travail. So uh, that's what we mean by it, uh, that this book of Ecclesiastes is critical. It's critical to understand because what Solomon is articulating is not is is not just a a harsh look at life for other people. It's a harsh look at life as it is, regardless of what age you live in, regardless of what area of the country or the world you live in. This book describes the human experience in a way that I think is so critical to understand um, that uh, this vaporous life 
is one that we are unfortunately born with. This is the curse uh, that we have. Uh, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, uh, I wasn't able to read this. Um, I'm going to read it. Um, let me find my Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, because I was talking in my sermon just about this idea that, you know, that before everything was very good. Re re you remember that, of course, Jesus, uh, God uh, spoke the world into the existence. The Trinity spoke the world into existence and everything was very good. There was no, uh, there was no uh, evidence of, of a defect or a flaw. And then, and so that was, again, the paradigm that man lived in. And now, after sin has entered the world, everything is sorrow, or uh, Solomon calls it sore travail. But listen to these words. Uh, listen to how many times the word sorrow comes up as the curse for sin is being given unto the man and the woman. This is Genesis 3, verse 16. Unto the woman, he, that is God, said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, con in the, and thy conception. In sorrow sh thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and... Also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Three times in those verses, we are given this idea that the curse is full of sorrow. It's full of frustration. It's full of vanity. So, really, what... What Solomon is describing is what I like to call the life of once Eden. Um, th this, of course, is not original with me. I'll put a link in the show notes to this book. There's a great commentary on uh, the book of Ecclesiastes written by one of my favorite writers. His name is Zach Eswine, and he calls uh, he his book is entitled uh, "Recovering Eden," and in it he he uses this. Um, term once Eden, once dash Eden, to sort of describe the life that we are, the world that we are living in. It's a world that once was Eden. It once was very good. It once was full of perfection and joy and pleasures forevermore. And now it is no longer that. It is full of sorrow. And so you have here a life Described, you have uh, existence. I, I may I say, it described for us in Ecclesiastes. You have Ecclesiastes giving us this very, yes, it'll sound at times very depressing and very discouraging. The the, the life that Solomon describes. It's the life, though, that we cannot deny exists. Though, I think that's the real point: is sit down, sit in a chair think about the world as it is, and what you will find is that Solomon, 
uh, writing, you know, more than 2,000 years ago has described perfectly the life of mankind. It's the life of once Eden. It's the life east of Eden, as that popular term is often referred to. It's the life that we all have to live. And I think what is so encouraging about Ecclesiastes is eventually the point that it brings you to, of course, the conclusion um, in the last chapter. Uh, it is hinted at all along. There's 23 different instances throughout the book of Ecclesiastes of this idea of better than. So, quote, better than. There's something that is better, worth living for. And that's the conclusion that Solomon eventually arrives he arrives that, yes, there's all of this uh, injustice, there's this impression, there's this frustration, there's this violence, there's uh, unfairness, there's wickedness, there's corruption. He describes all of these things in actually pretty vulgar detail. And then he comes to the end of this whole, uh, this whole thing, and he says, of course, that famous verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So, what I love about Ecclesiastes is that it gives us, yes, it gives us an honest picture about the life that we live here, yes, in once Eden. But it also gives us the promise that throughout all of this filth, Throughout all of this frustration, we have a Savior who sits with us in the frustration. We have a God who, who is right there with us in sort of the ashes of the world that we have created for ourselves. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, for, my, for my church folk, if you're listening to this, again, I'm spoiling the ending of, of Ecclesiastes, but that's okay. Uh, you can read the whole thing and you can find the ending for yourself. But what I love is the fact that this is what he's bringing us to. And I think th the point of Ecclesiastes is it is the conclusion, but it's also not just the conclusion. It's the journey to get us to that conclusion. And, and by that, I mean, we are given this journey of faith, you might call it, through the voice of a king, through the voice of a noble, uh, a righteous, a wise, beyond all belief man, a man who was also not just righteous, he was also filled with incredibly unrighteous pursuits and passions and lusts. And we have all, and what I mean, that he's just, he describes what is, and he tells you what he did. In very honest detail. And for me, um, this is one of the reasons why I love this, this book. It's incredibly revealing. It's incredibly convicting. It's incredibly powerful. Uh, it's a book that I think many ought to read a lot more. So uh, I hope you'll stay with me uh, on this sermon series. You can always find these either on my blog or on the sermon podcast through Stonington Baptist Church. I'll put uh, the link to the, the sermons podcast in the show notes for this one. You can go and listen to that and stay with that. I've entitled my sermon series Vanity Versus Eternity, and I just finished part one. So part two is coming this week. I'm excited uh, to be studying, be in investing myself uh, in this book. Uh, this past Sunday evening, though, I was able to preach uh, another message, and this time it came from the book of Colossians. So I had been mulling around with examining 
uh, Colossians chapter 1 for a little bit. And then some of these verses just really stuck out more than others. Um, And uh, I preached a sermon which I entitled, The Power of Grace in the Life of Every Disciple. And what I find really fascinating uh, in this chapter is the fact that Paul, of course, he writes this, what has often been called the Christ hymn, the Christ hymn of Colossians, which is also a Christ hymn that you find in Philippians chapter 2. But regardless, he writes this very expressive, lofty sort of hymn, uh, doxology, if you will, on Jesus Christ and all of the things that he has his fingers in, so to speak. And I love what he does in verses 21 through 23, which is where my sermon kind of came out of. So I'll just read you these verses. This is Colossians 1 verse uh, 21 down through verse 23. And it says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. What I found... What jumped off to me in those verses uh, and which led to the sermon that I was able to deliver is just the fact that grace is the defining characteristic of every single life of every single disciple that has ever lived. And such is what Paul is describing here. Um, He's describing this idea that he's, remember, he's writing to a church and he's writing to this body of believers and he's saying, uh, you guys, uh, yeah, you were aliens, um, you were enemies, you were foreigners, you were strangers, you were uh, adamantly and, 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 and categorically opposed to God. And guess what? You have now been reconciled. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you've said, not because of anything that you've accomplished, but because it's Jesus and his grace in the body of his flesh through his death, he reconciled you by his own death, by the death that you deserve to die, he took for you, and now he's reconciled you to himself. And I love that word present. So... When I was researching the sermon, I just got a lot of just, I got really excited <laughs> when, I, when I was studying and examining and I, I found that word present and I was uh, studying that word. It comes from a Greek word, which means to present a person for another to see and question. So you have this, you have this picture in your mind's eye, right? That the sinners, the enemies of God, have been reconciled by the Son and are now being presented, they are being brought before God the Father for Him to see and to question, for an examination, so to speak. And we are found, as it says there, we are presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the Father's sight. Why? Because we have one who who is there standing with us. We aren't presented to God the Father by ourselves. We are presented to God the Father by Christ the Son. <laughs> this, is, this is grace, my friends. It's grace all the way down. Grace which reconciles. Grace which redeems us and makes us holy. Grace which makes us stand resolved uh, in our faith. This is, that's what he talks about in verse 23. Um, I, I really... 
invite you to listen to that sermon. I had a, I had a, I had a fun time. I, I'll admit, I had a fun time writing this sermon. I love talking about grace, and I love expounding it, and I love um, uh, examining it in a way that I think brings a really deep and profound perspective on it. Because I think a lot of times, again, what I talked about at the beginning of that sermon is just the fact that grace is often viewed a in a very cursory way, uh, like, oh, whatever, it's just grace. And uh, no, it's is grace all the way through, grace all the way down, as one of my friends used to say. It's all the way, all the way my Savior leads me, that old hymn. It's all the way that grace has brought us, because it's brought us from this place in which, from this place of the misery of our own, uh, own estrangement from God to a place where we have been reconciled, to a place where we have been presented, offered by Christ to the Father as holy vessels, not possessing any holiness in and of ourselves, but solely because he has made us holy. This is what we stand on. This is the faith that we call our faith. Every single facet, every single moment of your life is because of the grace of God. It's because we have a God of grace who is... uh, they're standing with us, standing beside us. Uh, I love those verses, Colossians 3, verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid. It's hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. <laughs> we are presented by Christ to the Father and we are accepted. Why? Because Christ's shadow, his shadow overshadows us. His blood covers our sin. His righteousness hides all of our blemishes. And not just hides them, it takes them away forever. As the the promise in the New Covenant says in Jeremiah 31, that they are taken away and he shall remember them no more. That's the completeness of this presentation, the completeness of this reconciliation. It's why the disciples' life is all of grace. Now, that's not too simplistic. That's the whole thing. It's all of grace. All the way down. Uh, That was my sermon on Sunday. Uh, You can find that one in the podcast as well. Um... Uh, Before we move on, though, I hope you enjoyed just some of those little um, recaps, so to speak. Uh, Before we move on, uh, though, I want to take uh, just a quick moment and share a word from our sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. 
I was introduced to fresh roasted coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or pour over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. On to the rest of the show, though. I have a few other thoughts I kind of want to share. Just some quick things, really quick. Uh, things that I think are really important, though. Um, so on Wednesdays, I've started a new thing. So this is for all my church folk and anyone who kind of wants to, uh, if you if you are in the area, you want to come out on a Wednesday night. Uh, we were doing a Bible study and prayer, and I'm doing I'm I'm spending a little bit more time on these Bible studies and making them a little bit more worth your while. Uh, however, um, we are going to walk through some of these one chapter books of the Bible, and so. Uh, there's some books of the Bible that I think that I don't know if I've ever even heard a sermon on. I don't I don't remember hearing a sermon on Second John. <laughs> uh, it's a I've preached through Third John. I've never heard a sermon on third, on Second John. I've never I don't remember the last time I heard a sermon on Obadiah. Um, there, there's just certain books of the Bible that are like that, and and so I want to walk through slowly some of these one chapter books. Um, and just see what we can find in them. Uh, and, and I do mean slowly. <laughs> I got through the first, like, half of the first verse of Jude 1 <laughs> on this past Wednesday. And uh, it, we're, it's not all going to be that slow. But I want to make these little Bible studies really uh, casual. We're going to be going through them uh, in depth, but we're going to be going through them in a way that we can share and talk and discuss and converse about the text that we have. And I've been using uh, sort of as my launching off point, uh, a new resource from For the Church. So if you haven't made yourself um, familiar with a website called For the Church, uh, ftc.co, it's a ministry of the seminary that I go to, and I know that's going to sound like a little bit like I'm just plugging them because I go to Midwestern, uh, but (laughs) I mean it wholeheartedly that it's not just because I'm a seminary student at Midwestern, but I really love the resources and the content that comes out from For the Church. So, and they've released these new things called preaching guides, which uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they develop. But it's really just a quick sort of um, investigative look at at the scriptures. Um, and so they released some different ways that you can examine the book of Jude. And I just really found that really enheartening. And I had been thinking about, I had already been thinking about doing some of these one chapter books of the Bible and studying them. And then they released this preaching guide. So it made it really easy for me to start my study and to have a foot forward. Uh, You know, there's another uh, place that you can go. If you're a pastor who is really busy, uh, I do recommend uh, going to to For the Church and looking at their preaching guide. There's another resource, too, called Efficient Pastor. Um, Efficient Pastor is a resource where where they they give you the same things. It's it has a subscription on it, but you can go to it and I'm not being paid to talk about this, so um I'm not getting anything back from it. I just think it's a good resource. They give you sort of like media and just study tips and tools and resources to give, you know, a, a busy pastor who perhaps doesn't have a lot of uh of resources at his fingertips, sort of a leg up, a, a foot forward so to speak in their 
sermon preparation. So uh, anyways, check that out. It's really uh, helpful, I've found, um, and it's it's something that I think that you will uh, benefit from. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, um, well, maybe not so quickly, but I really want to talk about it, is uh, this past week um, uh, I released a podcast, a podcast that's been on my mind and on my heart for a long time. <laughs> um, it was a, po- a conversation that I was really thankful, really grateful to have with my mom. My mom, her name is Kelly Gray. Uh, she's a pastor's wife. She's been in ministry for an incredibly long time. Uh, she's a disciple of Jesus. And she, uh, of course, if you follow my blog for any length of time, perhaps you will know that she has suffered with some pretty severe bouts of depression. Um, there were some times when things looked really bleak. Um, things were pretty dark, and uh, my family was really shooken up, rightly so, by how we the condition that we saw my mom in. And um, I, it's not often that you are able to talk with someone who has been through that. Um, and luckily enough, I was able to talk about it with my mom. And, uh, so I really, I, I really, what I wanted this to do, and this is going to be seeming again, like I'm kind of cannibalistic. <laughs> I'm using this podcast to, uh, advertise another podcast, but I, what I wanted you, I really, really want you to listen to it. Um, because the, what we talk about, what I have termed it, ministerial secondhand smoke. Um, being a pastor, you kind of feel this idea that you're almost smoking. The people that you're serving are often people that are causing you stress and giving you um, uh, heartache. And it's not just they're giving you stress. You're you're stressed for them. You're, you're feeling for people who are going through incredibly difficult moments of life that is almost like smoking a cigarette, even though I don't know what that feels like, but I just imagine it being that case. Anyways, a family, a pastor's wife, a pastor, pastor's kids, uh, they feel that sort of tension that a senior pastor feels, that a minister feels uh, on sort of a secondary level. And it's like being in a car with a person who's smoking, you are inhaling secondhand smoke, which has often been... Um, uh, studied that it's um, almost just as uh, detrimental to your health as if you were uh, smoking yourself. And so what we talk about, what I, all that to say is I loved this conversation because it was an honest way in which me and my mom could just talk about some of the things that we went through um, as being a, a pastor's family. Um, and especially I want to emphasize this idea of being a pastor's wife, um, I w- I'm so heartbroken over the recent news that was covered about Marilyn Carter. Uh, she was a pastor's wife, I think, out in Kansas, and her, her body was recently found uh, deceased, and um, it, it's believed that she took her life. I could be wrong about that, If if but regardless, it, there's the... Uh, what I want to what I mean by that is I think that there's this there's a whole category of conversation that I, I I wish and I pray would get more attention regarding ministerial depression ministerial frustration um, it's almost like a taboo thing to say if you're a minister of the gospel that you're feeling depressed which I wish that wasn't the case uh, I wish that 
wasn't uh, the case where we had to feel like that was some like taboo thing. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, for whatever reason it is, uh, depression, depression is still something that doesn't get enough conversation and discussion. Um, and I wish that it would. And especially with pastors, pastors who I know have felt it. I know my dad has been through it. I know other pastors have been through it. I, I will say I, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> uh, and I'm not planning to be depressed, of course, uh, in my ministry. But uh, I think it's good to be aware of these things. Yes, even even as me, my, uh, in my ministry, I'm a first year, I'm, I'm still within that first year, so to speak, of being a pastor. And for me, I, I find this reflection helpful. Because it'll, I, I think the more that we articulate some of these uh, sort of triggers or stressors or ways in which depression can get its its uh, get a finger hold on your soul, it'll better prepare you for when perhaps there is a vent and a crisis that happens that brings that into your life full bore, and so. That's what I want to do. There's a there was a great article uh, recently uh, that was published. Uh, where was it published? Let's see, BaptistNews.com, Baptist News Global. Uh, there was an article by Jacob Topper. I'll put a link in there. Is is the title was entitled "Too Many Pastors Are Falling on Their Own Swords," and uh, here in this article, Jacob talks about the same sort of thing: uh, pastoral depression um, uh, and how you can. Um, survive through it, how you can get through it spiritually, physically, emotionally. Um, so read that, listen to the podcast. If you're a pastor, if you're a minister who is feeling any of these things, who is going through <laughs> a time like this, um, I invite you, contact someone. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to sort of make that first contact, so to speak, but do so and, and be honest with with what you're hoping to get out of it. You, you don't need advice. You don't need uh, a pithy 12-step program. You just need to be listened to. Uh, if you want to contact me, I'm, I'm here. I've put the links to my dad and my mom in a previous podcast. I'll put them in this one too. Just if you if – you, I'm, I'm not an expert. Uh, my dad's not an expert. My mom experienced it. We all experienced <laughs> uh, depression, either uh, firsthand or secondhand. And um, I'm not saying that I have any sort of incredibly wise expertise to give you, but I can give you a listening ear. And I, I, I do know how valuable that is. Um, and if you need to just vent, um, I'm here for that. Find someone that can do that for you. Um you're not alone, pastor. You're not alone, pastor's wife. Uh, not only is God with you, there is a, a there is a <laughs> a cloud of witnesses. Let me say it that way. That is with you. That wants to be there for you, um, myself included. Um, so. That's just my encouragement. That's my my plug for that podcast, but also my encouragement to you. Um, I, I'm praying for. I, I do pray for pastors, and I, some people may find that weird. Um, that I just that you kind of you know pray for a nameless sort of non-identified group of pastors. I do, and I also pray for pastors that I know, uh, local and you know national. Um, but there is also a sense in which I I, I pray for pastors everywhere. 
regardless of whether they're my own de- denomination or not, that doesn't really matter to me. Uh, pastors are in jobs, are yeah, they're in jobs, in positions that uh, have a lot of stress, have a lot of uh, sometimes anxious moments. Uh, they're dealing with work that is hard to put a um, feel on. It's hard to have like a tangible sense of what pastors do, and yet they feel incredibly um, weighted down. And I think that's kind of the the, the point. Um, pastors are weighted down by. Uh, the, the the nature of the calling, the nature of the position. But anyways, I, I, I'll just say that. I encourage you, reach out to me, reach out to either my mom or dad, reach out to someone, uh, talk uh, and, and pray. And uh, I know that the Lord will be with you. He's the God of all grace, and His grace extends uh, far beyond you uh, could ever hope or imagine. Uh, thanks so much for listening. This has been Pastor Brad's Corner, uh, a segment of ministry minded of the Ministry Minded Podcast. Uh, I hope you've been blessed uh, by this conversation, by this episode. Uh, please subscribe. You can find Ministry Minded on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, and several other places. You can find those links in the notes below. Uh, I appreciate all of your encouragement, all of your support, your prayers. Uh, thanks for commenting and subscribe. Thanks for Fresh Roasted for uh, sponsoring this show. And I'll see you guys in the on the next episode. Blessings.